BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Incomparable, number 636, October 2022. Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, David J. Lore. This week, we're diving into one of my favorite genres of TV. And if you listen to Magnum podcast, you can probably guess. That's right, it's Detectives, Private Eyes, and Mysteries. Now for our panel, introduced in the order they'll draft as chosen by Random.org, the official randomizer of the Incomparable Network. First up, a new panelist, the co-founder of Lost Girls Theater and director of our new romantic time travel adventure podcast series, Where or When. Welcome to the show, Katie Siegel. Hi, I get to go first. I'm very excited about that. I know, right? <laughs> Nervous and excited. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is actor, photographer, and occasional radio theater voice, Tom McGrath. Hello, Tom. I am unprepared to go second, so this is going to go great. <laughs> but very, very lucky. Uh, you know her as the host of Lions, Towers, and Shields, but today we're talking television with Shelley Brisbane. Hello, Shelley. Well, I'm prepared to go third, uh, which means I'll probably be sniped once and there will be one near miss, but I'm happy to be here nonetheless. And a stalwart guest on Lions, Towers, and Shields, among other incomparable shows, it's Nathan Alderman. Thanks, David. I, I won't take any more of your time. Um, just one more thing, though. <laughs> we'll see if he lasts that long into the round. Um, and finally, a writer for NPR. Also a new guest, maybe you know him as a voice from the pop culture happy hour or as co-host of A Degree Absolute, the podcast for all things Patrick McGowan. Welcome to the show, Chris Klimek. Hi, thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm the, the fifth man, some like unmade Paul Verhoeven sequel that uh, <laughs> never, never came to pass. Very happy to be here. It's, it's like what happened to Harry Lyme several years <laughs> after he died in a sewer in yes. Vienna. <laughs> And of course, as as the host, I will be going last, which means I actually had to prepare for the draft because I had to think strategically because no way my picks are going to get anywhere um, for this draft. If you have a theme to your picks, go for it. If they're just characters and shows you love, that's good, too. The one rule is everyone gets Thomas Magnum. He's off the board. Because we already have Magnum Podcast, where I get to blather about him every week. Uh, well, I should say original recipe Magnum. If you want to pick the reboot, that's okay. But we might question your life choices. <laughs> After a couple of rounds, we'll get to the crazy round. That's for the oddball, out-of-the-box picks. Maybe short-lived series, obscure characters. Anything goes in the crazy round. So let's let's go ahead and get started with round one. Uh, I throw it to you, Katie. Who is your first pick? Um, so I purposefully assumed that I would not get any first pick. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to go wild cards all out the gate. Oh, um, yeah. So be prepared. Um, <laughs> my first pick 
is the leader of my team. I've I've created a very specific team, so we're gonna hope that okay. I get everybody. Um, is Miss Franny Fisher of the Miss Fisher murder series, uh, murder oh, mystery? Very nice. She's very nice. uh transported herself all the way from the 1920s in Australia to to join us this evening, um, because she's just too stylish and uh, and charismatic to not choose. Oh, of course. No, that's that's a great choice. Have you seen the mod version, the the spin-off of those? I have. I don't enjoy it as much. I think there's something yeah. about SC Davis really like takes that character and and elevates it in a way that's like it could feel a little superficial. And I think the mod version kind of has that problem. Yeah. I mean the production design is lovely, but it yeah, oh, yeah. it just doesn't quite I don't know. I don't know. Not quite got the heart. Maybe it'll get there in later <laughs> seasons. You know, that happens sometimes. Okay. So that's Miss Fisher uh, right off the bat. Uh, Tom, what's your first pick? That was a fascinating value pick. <laughs> I've been on the board a little bit later, but fair enough. <laughs> I, got, I had um, to get her. No, that makes total sense. Uh, I see. You got to stick with, you got to stick with your strategy. Um, I'm sticking with sentimentality, which means um, we're going with Jessica Fletcher. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Angela Lansbury. Slay all day. Yeah. I sort of thought we would do, you know, there would be just a, like an implicit tribute to her or or, uh, or something. I wasn't going to let it go past three. That'd be rude. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't have gone past, past three. Let I me didn't think you. it would. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little snipey, too. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was tempting to say, you know, considering this week, everybody gets Jessica Fletcher. But no, no, she's still in play. That's good. And versatile. She's a a, a flex spot pick for most, <laughs> most teams. Although I have to say, once once she moved to New York City in the later seasons, the murder rate in Cabot Cove plummeted. So I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't consider that canon. <laughs> <laughs> later seasons are rarely canon. <laughs> Yeah, I did see a fascinating thread on Twitter today that theorized that Murder, She Wrote actually is a is a holodeck novel in the Star Trek universe because there is so many Star Trek actors from the various series who mm. appeared on it. And, I love that. That's uh, amazing. It's kind of plausible, I have to admit. You've just revealed my strategy. <laughs> you didn't really. I didn't. <laughs> oh, no. Everyone's a holodeck. Everyone's a holodeck thing. All right, that's Jessica Fletcher off the board. Shelly, what is your first pick? Well, I'm going to go back a little further in time than Jessica Fletcher, and I'm going to choose Frank Conrad, the star of Cannon. I'm sorry, Frank Cannon, the star of Cannon, played by William Conrad. The IMDb description, for those of you who aren't familiar with the series, is a husky ex-cop and culinary enthusiast <laughs> solves tough cases as a private investigator. It aired from 1971 to 1976. It was a Quinn Martin production. William Conrad was uh, in a number of uh, other shows that might even qualify for this draft. But for the moment, we're just going to stick with Canon. Nice. Yeah, that's Canon has one of those really earwormy 70s theme songs. It does. I heard it yesterday. Right. And and the opening credits, I mean, you know, it's the seventies, but like a lot of shows will have your glamour shots of your your star, right? And Canon, kind, of, it's like the photographer was drunk, and there are just <laughs> these really weird still photos, including one of like. 
the back of his ear. And that has bothered me since the 70s. <laughs> I love like, that. What were they thinking? So much. But canon. Yeah. When when uh, William Conrad, uh, st- he, he starred as Nero Wolf for one year in like 1980 or 81. And he said part of the reason he liked doing that was because Nero Wolf was a recluse. So he didn't have to go running after anybody because his <laughs> feet were still tired from canon. <laughs> so, all right. Frank Cannon. Awesome. Uh, Nathan, what's your first pick? Well, a long time ago, this pick and I used to be friends. Um, I'm picking Veronica <laughs> Mars from, from the eponymous UPN slash CW slash Hulu series, uh, as played by the magnificent Kristen Bell. And the thing I love about Veronica Mars is that she is the smartest person in most rooms, and yet she is not nearly as smart as she thinks she is. The show goes out of its way over the course of all fourth seasons to talk about how how damaged she is by the things that she has lived through and survived and how that often clouds and affects her judgment in ways that really often endanger herself and the people around her. I love a good flawed protagonist. Usually if you have a flawed detective, it's like, oh, my alcoholism, it's crippling me, but I'll shrug it (laughs) off to solve this mystery. And with Veronica Mars, they are very clear and upfront about how this gal is carrying around a bucket load of trauma and it is messing her up in ways that are lasting and serious and really interesting and don't keep her from being a hero. One of the things I love about Veronica Mars is it's one of the few things where where you can you can say, all right, this was inspired by Nancy Drew just a little bit, and yet it works on its own. It is its own thing, and it's so much its own thing that the new Nancy Drew series is basically inspired by Veronica Mars. Oh, absolutely. That's, That's nuts. Absolutely. That series is great, by the way. That series is bananas. Yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Veronica Mars is off the board. Chris, what is your first pick? And and are you are you stunned that it's still there? Um, no, no, I'm, I'm not. I, I want to say I, I admire Shelley's uh, pick of, of canon, which I need to uh, get up to speed on immediately because I love William Conrad, um, who, you know, he's he's gun smoke to me. I'm an old time radio guy. Oh, and were there, were I was there saving a... all my William Conrad ephemera. But yes, that was one of the ones I was going to mention. <laughs> yeah, there was never a Johnny Dollar TV show, right? Uh, there was. He was, he was. It, it was there for long, but oh, uh, no, okay. no, there's See? no Bob Bailey in the Johnny Dollar TV show. Oh, boy. Well, I wish I had Bob Bailey. Uh, well, if so, I had so, that so quickly, in my back pocket. So William Conrad played Gunsmoke, played James Arnett, played the Matt Dillon on radio. <laughs> and then, of course, when they did TV, they had to hire the six foot six tall uh, James Arnest to play Matt Dillon, who looks much more like a traditional sheriff than a uh, little paunchy, <laughs> bald, yeah. mustachioed William Conrad. But he was a great radio Matt Dillon. It's a, it's a six foot six voice for, for yes. sure. Um, <laughs> And and I mean, how many how many wonderful opening narrations? You know, the fugitive. Um, oh that's yeah, you mentioned that too. Yeah, oh, oh sure, wow. right. He narrated right. Uh, movies as well, and uh, he did a ton of radio. Like he he just popped up before he was Matt Dillon. He would just be a guest on various you know escape and suspense and things like that, and just did great character voices. Rocky and Bullwinkle. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he directed several several uh, dozens of episodes of Have Gun Will Travel. Wow. Before before they let him actually act on TV. What a career. The the uh, the melancholy in his introductions to Gunsmoke, where he says it did, it's a chancy job and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Uh, there oh, there yeah. was a uh, a documentary that they did when Gunsmoke went off the air where they interviewed him. And apparently somebody walked up to him one day 
and said that, started quoting that to him. And he looked at them like they were crazy. And I said, well, what, you, what, you don't recognize that? That's your introduction from Gunsmoke. He said, look, I recorded that once in 1952. I don't remember it. Oh, right. I, yeah, I guess I imagined them doing it, you know, with every no, new they, episode. They but of course, yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start with, uh, I don't know if anyone will challenge me, uh, for detective eligibility here, but I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, Simon Templer, uh, was he Charters, Charter, anybody want to correct my pronunciation of Charteris? Okay. It is Charteris. I, yeah. yeah, Thank you. Beats me. Uh, and, and he was, uh, Vincent Price on radio, but he was of course, Roger Moore on, on television for, uh, I think seven, seven years, circa, uh, 62, 69 time of big changes in, in British TV production. But this is the, the suave debonair and young Roger Moore that, uh, I think Cubby Broccoli <laughs> and Harry Saltzman were looking for when they, they finally got him in the bond role, uh, in, in the next decade. Uh, what I like about this character is he seems to be famous. Um, but there's at least in the television show, there's, there's no explanation for why everyone knows his name. Um, you know, Johnny Dollar, his, uh, he is the star of a, of a radio program and the people he encounters in his investigations will have, will have heard his adventures reported on the radio. But, um, we, we never know why, why Simon Templar is, is such a celebrity, but it does not <laughs> seem to interfere with his ability to solve crimes. Um, uh, also a very, um, quite a nonviolent guy you know seems to yeah. uh succeed and uh on on pure pure guile and and persuasion so uh does anyone object to me counting simon templar as a detective oh not at all no, he was absolutely on, not. he was on no, my weird. long list okay <laughs> yeah he, mine mine too actually <laughs> i i figured he'd get picked at some point uh but yeah i mean i and i've said this on other episodes before i am literally four feet away from an entire shelf of Saint novels, including a ridiculous number of Roger Moore TV tie-in editions that that were my uncles. So, I mean, I just grew up on Simon Templar. Oh, I love that. Oh, wow. So, and I'm... <sighs> the Val Kilmer movie is one that exists. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, yeah. I tried to look at that again a few years ago, and uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty grim, pretty grim. Yeah, we, we watched it again last year for an episode of this, and yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely um, a thing. It definitely exists. The the orbital version of the the saint theme is pretty cool, but then there's a whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, <laughs> so excellent, Simon Templar. The, you know, you know, it was something that always bothered me when I was watching the show as a child. Um, was you know, here's here's Roger Moore, here's the the suave thing, but every episode he looks up and suddenly there's a halo, and that was just I don't know why that <laughs> bugged me. It's like wait. No, uh, but now great show, great theme. I hope someone does a good a good adaptation of that again. It's been yeah. too long, and I and I hope I haven't erred by uh, drafting him first because uh, oh. I I have no guile with this. I barely understand how drafts work. So I I mean I think I get that. Just, like the one you really want, if you pick him first, you're gonna lose, right? So I, I may have I may live to regret this. Oh, not at all. I mean, we th- these are non-competitive drafts. It's just oh, good. if you get sniped, you get sniped. But if not, hey, you got your pick. All right. So that comes to me. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised that most of my picks are here. So I'm going to go with not an obscure one. I, I, I made sure I had obscure ones. Uh, but I'm going to go with Remington Steel oh. and specifically Laura Holt. Of course, I was going to say, mm-hmm. um, and you know, at when, when that premiered, 
I mean, that was right up my alley, right? Old movies, capers, con artists, murder mysteries. I mean, and jazz, you know, Henry Mancini. What a theme song. And, uh, you know, a, a few years into it, uh, suddenly you had Moonlighting basically doing the same thing, but nowhere near as stylishly and wittily. Um, it's still worth a look. It's still worth a look. And what was good is very good. What is questionable is much more questionable now. But uh, it's not it's not a show that does well in the Me Too era where where mm. you know Remington Steele at least is witty about it. It's not it's not continuously leering and shouting and you know, hey, let's do, you know. Um it's it there's there's a subtlety to it until you get to the the TV movies that ended the series. Those are terrible. <laughs> and you can you can tell that Pierce Brosnan was not happy that they called him back mm. and he didn't get to be James Bond. Um until he did get to be James Bond. But yeah, uh the the good seasons of Remington Steel are just delightful. And you have you have writers from the British Avengers in the sixties mm-hmm. coming over and writing writing that. No wonder it's it's stylish and fun. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So that is a good first round. Let us go right back to the top. And Katie, what's your second pick? Uh, Well, in case it isn't obvious, I am not familiar with drafting as much um, either, because I clearly (laughs) just was like, I'll throw the weirdest choice out first. Nobody... Everybody's going to want Franny Fisher. Um, I'm going to back. I'm going to I'm going to take the energy back because whose energy plays off of if my leader is a sassy, classy 1920s flapper girl, then obviously her right hand man has to be John Luther, played by oh. the amazing Idris Elba. Oh, um, nice. on Luther. Um, Luther. Luther. That's that is my only attempt at a horrible Cockney <laughs> accent. Um just because I tell people, like, when I watch Luther, it is the only show in my memory where every episode gets better. Like, until the last episode, I mean, in, uh, the very last episode kind of didn't call that trend. But for the longest time, every episode of that, like, up the stakes, up the intensity, and up, like, the how complicated and wonderful those mysteries were. Um so, you know, you need you need you need the guy who's going to be unafraid to to break some rules and bust down doors. So my pick will forever be John Luther. That series is, is really more of a horror show disguised as a cop show. Oh, there yeah. are some really disturbing things in that series. Oh, yes, very much so. And it's it's funny because I come from like a lot of horror like background. Um, uh, in terms of like producing content and everything, never at Lost Girls. We don't really go for horror there, but my outside of Lost Girls work is a lot of horror stuff. And I will tell you, I think 
I'm not going to lie, I think that's kind of why I like it. <laughs> I'm like, I, this is, is going to sure. be really messed up, but I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and Idris Elba, I could watch in anything. Yeah, he's he's so good in that. And it's like not really a surprise that that was his breakout role where like, you know, at least for UK television um, and just because it's so intense and it is it's just got this really dark underbelly so i've got fun and flirty with franny and like the, for the darker <laughs> mysteries where people are actually being harmed we got john luther to just carry that through yeah i, I want idris elba to be as great in movies as he is in television shows like luther that right is i mean an interesting I, factor of idris elba it's i i have not seen beast yet the 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 new one i mean beast of no nation is very good but um at a certain level of stardom choosing projects is part of the job right and and yeah. uh we could we could fault him there magnificent actor obviously uh versatile mm-hmm. talented um you know not not uh, not so bad looking that that man, um, but uh, yes, I, I want I want a movie to use him as well as Luther uses him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it's it says a lot that that Luther and Stringer Bell are his iconic characters, yeah. and they're both mm-hmm. TV characters. Okay, so Luther, uh, Tom, what is your second pick? I feel like we keep. We're just avoiding the obvious. So. I, we are. But I didn't it, just leave it there for you, buddy. It's fascinating, <laughs> but you know. Well, so I'm going to go with Benedict Sherlock Hatch. Mm-hmm. Yay! <laughs> Sherlock isn't a new property by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I really like what they did with the, particularly with um, Martin Freeman as Watson. Mm-hmm. And if yes. we're not picking sidekicks, though. Well, you know, it's a matched set. It's a, it's a, oh, good. We're picking sets. Okay. Um, um, then my crazy round is going to be really interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that visually it's a, it's a fantastic piece of work, but in particular, the way that Cumberbatch does his work as Sherlock really sort of adds some meaning and folds to a character that we've seen 70,000 times. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, Tom, I don't know if you've seen the original pilot versus the pilot that was aired officially. Oh, no, I don't yeah. think I have. Oh, it's, it, it's fascinating because it's only an hour long it, for one wow. thing. A completely different show. And yeah. so much of that is because like Benedict and Martin Freeman like stepped in and were like, we kind of were thinking maybe our characters should be a little more this way. And Ooh. it's just leaps and bounds. It's, it's insane. The pilot, as it was written, is enjoyable it's it's fine yeah (laughs) it's fine you know but if you ever get a chance to see it it, i know it's floating around on the internet somewhere um that original pilot is a trip and i i think it's on the season one dvd oh if i'm not mistaken I'm surprised I haven't seen this because Sherlock Holmes is a, like, I, I mean, I, I love the Cumberbatch uh, Freeman iteration as well, but um, that is just one of those properties that I'll, I'll watch every version. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's no, there's no version that I'll turn down. You know? Yeah. I, I was wondering how many different iterations of Holmes we would get tonight. Uh, Cause there are so many of them. Um, so, all right. Cumberbund is off the board. Shelly. <laughs> no Cumberbund, is, yes. sadly. <laughs> if you refer to him the same way twice, you get penalized somehow. Oh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Rule. So I've done a few of these drafts before, and one of the things I've learned is that there's value in a theme, and there's even more value in not telling what your theme is till the end, at least if you're me. <laughs> so I'm working a theme, uh, and so I will tell you as much as I can within that context. Uh, my next pick is Macmillan and Wife. 
1971 to 1977, starring Rock Hudson and Susan St. James. He is a police commissioner in San Francisco, and she is his amateur detective wife, and hijinks <laughs> ensue. So Susan McMillan played wife? Susan St. James. St. James, sorry. She's his wife. That's how her, that's her uh-huh. wife. And, I and can't remember one. her character name. Yeah. Maybe it was Susan. I'm not sure. Uh, uh-huh. Appendage. Appendage. I mean, it was kind of a strange name, but. Or, you know. or if you want, you could call her Allie because she goes on to play Kate and Allie later, if that makes you feel better, God. you know? I mean, that's that's indefensible, but that, that like, as an acronym, that, that is kind of charming. I'm not saying it's okay. <laughs> not saying it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I. I I, as I say, it, it follows a theme. It's not. I'm not necessarily able to defend every aspect, including the titles, <laughs> apparently, of my picks. <laughs> yeah, I actually had it. I had it pulled up because I was not sure who the wife was. It's Sally. Oh, that's right. It Max was Square, Sally. they could call it. Yeah, a personal injury Sally. law firm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Have you been injured by someone's negligence? Yes. Yeah, it was. It was a fun show, and then. Near the end, she decided she didn't want to come back, and so then it just became Macmillan, and I think they killed her off. And oh, did they really? It hmm. kind of lost all the fun. And remember, <laughs> so Macmillan and Wife was part of this, well, I, I shouldn't even say what else is on it because people might pick them, but there's this right. trio of NBC detective shows that rotated through the schedule through most of the and it's interesting because of that there aren't actually that many episodes there are 40 episodes of Macmillan and Wife but it was you know throughout that it was spread out through those several years yeah all right so Macmillan and Wife are off the board <laughs> yeah a matched set Nathan we come back to you I feel like I should pick Columbo. Someone should pick Columbo. But aside <laughs> from seeing some of the late period Peter Falk movies, which I have a certain affection for back in the late 80s, I, I just I don't feel qualified having witnessed the depth of Columbo love out there on the Internet to oh. pick him. So I'm not. Instead, I'm going to pick um, a, a series that actually only came out this year. Now, 2022 has been a terrible year for nearly everything, but it has been a great year for television. And so I'm, I trust that you understand the high bar I'm talking about here when I say that Loki, this might be the best thing I've seen on television in 2022. It is a six episode series on AMC Plus called Dark Winds based on the novels of Tony Hillerman. And the detective I want to single out is Sheriff Joe Leaphorn, as played by the amazing Zon McLarnon. Dark Winds is a period piece set in the 1970s on a Navajo Indian reservation. Uh, McLarnon is the local sheriff policing the reservation who gets involved in a mystery involving uh, terrorists, bank robbery, the uh, federal government, and possibly black magic. It is a tense fascinating, absorbing character study, uh, indigenous and, and native folks in front of and behind the camera telling the story so that instead of, wow, look at this strange, exotic culture, it's just, oh, hey, these folks are living their lives. Come join them. Um, and a, a hard right turn in the episode five out of six into full horror movie that is just delightful. But McLarnon is an incredible protagonist. 
instantly a classic Western hero. He's got the ranginess, the the kind of crooked stance, the weathered face, the 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 perceptive, penetrating eyes, and he is a thoughtful, careful detective um, with a lot of baggage and a lot of hurt that he's carrying around, and a determination to do right that makes him an incredible protagonist in a really great show that too few people have seen, and more people will really enjoy if they check out. That's uh, Zon McLarnon as Joe Leaphorn in Dark Winds. I would like to just take a moment to pitch to AMC that they call Nathan as their professional hype man, because I'm going to watch that, like, right now. <laughs> like, I might leave you guys. Bye. There are performances from supporting players in that show that are absolutely riveting and revelatory. And th- it's the kind of actors and the kind of lives and things that you would never see in any other show. Oh, thank you for picking that. <laughs> as as much as I hope Columbo gets off the board at some point. Um, I mean, can you even pick Columbo and not pick him last? I feel like that's the... <laughs> you got just one that depends on the other players, yeah. doesn't uh-huh. it? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a good game here in just explaining why we aren't picking Columbo as we go through. Like, right. Why haven't you picked Columbo this turn? Yes. The elephant in the trench coat or something. <laughs> you know, he's just going to outsmart us all anyway. It's fine. It's fine. We're going to finish the I, list and then one of us is going to turn back to the others and go, and just one, one more thing. <laughs> I got I to say, I admire your picks, but there's something I think you've missed here. Um, all right. So, uh, Chris, what is your next pick? Uh, I was wary of, of picking entirely detectives from my, my childhood or from, you know, predating my, <laughs> my childhood. Uh, so I, I wanted to force myself to, to choose someone from the present century. Um, <laughs> someone who is in the espionage business, uh, even if they're not officially for much of the run, a field agent counts as a detective, I think. So I want to give all the love to uh, Peggy Carter, uh, a seminal agent of shield um, who uh, appeared in the, the ABC agent Carter TV series that predated Disney plus. Uh, I feel like this happened right before this, this uh, exponential uh, increase in the um, Marvel content that uh, like now I feel like it's kind of too much and it's, you know, even though much of it is still very good, it, it has dimmed my, my enthusiasm for, for the enterprise. But that, you know, in 2015, we weren't quite there yet. And I really, really love Haley Atwell's performance as uh, someone who is um, part of this this fledgling shield, you know, post-World War II um, espionage agency. Um, not really mourning the death of Steve Rogers, but sort of, you know, conscious of the loss and dealing with all the workplace sexism and, you know, dudes who want her to just answer the phone and get coffee. And like, a, you know, they, they get some not predictable... Um, mileage out of out of some of that uh some of those story beats while still laying out a suitably fantastic um you know espionage plot with enough sci-fi uh edge to to make it feel like a a marvel thing i really like Haley atwell um you know when she shows up briefly in any of the latter day marvel things it's uh that's a, a big plus for me so yeah peggy peggy carter uh Seminal agent of of Shield. I, I can't even remember if it was called Shield yet in uh, in the era of um, of Agent Carter. But um, she's a detective, right? She's solving yeah, crimes, solving know, mysteries. Sure. I I will I will make an exception partly because it is a very noirish show. Uh, mm-hmm. There are mysteries that need solving, and I love the idea that you picked a show from this century that is still in the nineteen forties. 
<laughs> that is that is a beautiful yeah. thing. I, I hope, you know, it'll, I, it's, I don't think it's on Disney Plus, right? It's not one, it's, it's one of the sort of um, limbo yeah. Marvel it, it properties now. Oh, is it? Oh, great. Okay. Excellent. But it's recent. It's been recently added, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I honestly, I hope they, they figure out a way to do another season of it. Yes. Because it's just so good. All right. So that's Peggy Carter off the board. Um, my gosh. All of all of my first and second round possibilities are still there. Um, I think I'm gonna. Uh, you know, there are so many choices. I I could pick Columbo. I'm not gonna pick mm-hmm. Columbo mm-hmm. because I'm gonna pick a, a recent show that is among the most delightful mysteries I've seen in years. It plays fair with the the audience. It is very very funny. It is very well constructed, and it's it's surprising because, as the showrunner and co-creator says, he's not a mystery guy. You know, he figured out how to do this for this show. It's only murders in the building on Hulu, which you know, uh, I've I've been a fan of Steve Martin and Martin Short for pretty much as as long as I can remember, and. You know, you kind of watch some of their later films and you say, well, uh, you know, good on you. You're, you're still funny. But are, are you drafting them as a as a unit? Are you drafting? I'm, I'm drafting. I, well, I, you know, I don't have to. I could just pick Charles, which would be Steve Martin. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I will pick I will pick Charles Hayden Savage, uh, also known as Detective Brazos. Um, that is his big. Uh, expertise is that he played a detective on TV. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about this is this is a show that uses the two of them to beautiful, beautiful effect, which a lot of their movies in the last 15, 20 years have not. And it is, it is so delightful to see. And, and it's delightful, the chemistry that they have with Selena Gomez and then that they've created this entire world about the building, the Arconia, the first season building that um, that cast of characters, and the second season delving into the history of the building and the history of Charles and his his parent parentage. Uh, it's it is a beautiful series, and and has one of the the most wonderful opening credits sequences i've seen in years i love the animation i love the score um it's it is one of the best shows i've seen in forever so charles hayden savage from only murders in the building and you know what let's let's do one more normal round before we get to the crazy round because columbo is still out there (laughs) there are a couple of others still out there Uh we're all afraid. <laughs> I just, I just, I can't take Columbo because I didn't grow up with Columbo in my heart. Like, I mean, sure it, would, it just wouldn't be. I'd just be taking him for the name. Now, if you said <laughs> I could take the grandfather from the Princess Bride and believe that he solved crimes, absolutely. This, is, this is totally a kissing mystery. <laughs> I'm just saying. Where do you think he came from? You know, when he, he, he was called off a murder scene to come read to Fred Savage. Oh, inconceivable! May we all be so lucky. 
Um, okay. Uh, if this is... Oh. Okay. <laughs> so we're not in the crazy round yet. Says the girl who's clearly not oh. uh, picking the usual suspects. Um, Alright. So I also have a theme around mine. I will let you see if you can figure it out. Um, but my, for my third pick, keeping with this theme, because we've got Franny and we've got John. So I figure we need somebody with a little extra muscle because, you know, as Chris mentioned, the MCU is out there. So I have to go with Jessica Jones. Nice. Um, oh, the that's amazing a good one. That's a good Jessica one. Jones. Um, just because talk about a character who is broken <laughs> and she is the I'm drunk, so I'm broken um, character type. She does fall into that. But um, just. Kristen Ritter, so good in that part and then just the the journey that she goes on from like i'm not going to deal with any of my issues to i have no choice but to deal with them is top notch it's beautiful writing um maybe my personal favorite of the netflix mcu universe absolutely but yeah i just think they did the work they did with her was the best by far in the series yeah. and you know just watching her get to be unhinged and get to be not okay was so delightful. Uh, all right. Jessica Jones, the second Jessica. Tom, do you have another Jessica for us? Oh, um, no. I don't, th- um, I don't know if there is another Jessica. I, I, I can't think of one. There's a, uh, so I, I could pick Columbo, but, um, but um, I'm jealous of, Jake Johnson may be playing a reboot of Columbo instead of me. Uh, so that's out. Uh, so instead I'm going to pick, I'm going to go with another uh, damage detective in a, in, in a different sort of psychological way. Um, I'm going to pick Adrian Monk. Ah, very to, nice. Just to make everybody in my detective team not be able to get along at all. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher will try to like uh, keep everybody together. Sherlock's not going to go along with Monk. Monk's not going to go along with Sherlock. It's going to be a blast. I just created a telenovela. They're, they're going to have this whole "Will you stop touching me?" thing all <laughs> yes. the time. Oh my god! Stop gosh. touching that. Stop touching me. Stop touching this. Stop I'm touching, not touching you. I'm not touching you. Exactly. Stop touching me. I'm not touching you. Sherlock's going to casually mention that monograph he wrote about infectious diseases. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> Yeah, no, Monk. Monk is a is a delightful show. I I love how they, I mean they created a character out of nowhere, right? And they really did. Like they didn't have to stretch it. Like they didn't have to stretch to get to the the season length. Like yeah, it it's rewatchable. Like it is. You can flip it on at any point and be delighted. But it's not like it's not for lack of growth. It's not for lack of interest. It's just because they created a world that they're willing to play in for however many million seasons. And, and he never, he never truly gets insufferable, you know? No, I think that's the, that's the line that he walks really well. Like even, even Cumberbatch, you, you kind of feel like that version of Sherlock could be a bit much over 20 episodes. Well, and he is a bit much in, I mean, he is a bit much in the world, right? Yeah. And like everybody sort of has, feels like monk has their i don't know if best interests at heart but they're like okay we'll put up with this guy because he's not a total maniac he's just mostly a maniac <laughs> and annoying but we can get right we can get, we'll we'll deal with it because he's right most of the time 
Uh, all right, Adrian Monk off the board. Uh, Shelley, who is who is your next um, mystery movie character? So I don't feel constrained by centuries like some of you all do. Uh, <laughs> it's just because of what do I do a show about? Really old movies, okay? I can't help it. Although sometimes I come on here and I go off brand on purpose to freak people out. I but was, was going to say, are you okay talking about color? Because this is, you know, this is hurting my brain. Well, uh, I had I had one that wasn't in color, and I took it off. And it's on the it's in the crazy round list. But I was just like, come on, that's a little too much. But I'm I'm going I'm way back in time. I'm I'm going to 1967 for Ironside, starring oh, Raymond Burr uh, as wow. a, a wheelchair using detective in San Francisco. And uh, it's it's there was a whole bunch of detective series that started around that time, including some I didn't pick, like Mannix, which is probably my favorite of, of that little set. But these sort of men of action shows where, you know, Mannix, like most of the, the, the opening, he's running around and his car is crashing. <laughs> Raymond Burr is just sitting in a wheelchair, you know, being grumpy. Um, so, <laughs> but still, Ironside's, you know, kind of fun. Uh, and I, I will also say I considered picking Columbo as well, but I had a look and he is barely compliant with my theme. So I decided against it. Oh, wow. I believe in rules, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he uh, enjoyed the role because after, what, eight years of Perry Mason, now he just got to sit. Got to sit there. Yeah. And Don, Don Galloway had to push him around. That was nice. Uh, all right. So Robert Ironside off the board. Uh, Nathan, we come back to you. Well, I, I had a pick that um, that is really near and dear to my heart, but it's I think it's better suited for the the wild and, and bananas round. Um, so I'll save that for next time. Instead, I'm going to go with a, a a pair of detectives who I think have a unique dynamic in television history. In that one of them is so good at his job that he is literally being physically and mentally destroyed by it. And the other is an absolute monster who is helping to solve mysteries for his own nefarious and enigmatic ends. And I'm talking about Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter wow. from the Brian ah. Fuller series version of Hannibal. Uh, I think uh, I'll leave you you to your, your sweaty, fervid murder husband's uh, fandom. Uh, I just really like the dynamic between uh, Hugh Dancy and Mads Mikkelsen in the uh, leading roles. Uh, and I just really think there's something fascinating about an absolute terrifying satanic monster working on the side of the angels without anyone knowing he's a monster for his own possibly unknowable reasons. Um, and as long as the show sticks to that, I think it's at its strongest when it goes into, oh, look at how in love they are. Let's how, how great Hannibal Lecter is. Let's all feel sorry for Hannibal, everybody. He only ate like 15 people. Um, it kind of loses me. But when it's sticking to the, the tension and the procedural of how can this monster help me solve a murder without me losing my own mind? It's a great show. And it's it's a beautiful show to look at. The, sometimes the, too much so a little horrifying yeah but uh sometimes it gets so pretty that it forgets to tell a story <laughs> but um but you can you can safely drift out of that show around the beginning of the third season and come back for the episode where Lawrence Fishburne kicks Hannibal Lecter's ass all over Venice and from there on you're, you're good <laughs> 
but but I, I do like that you know at the end of one season um, Hannibal Lecter you know absconds for Europe in the company of Gillian Anderson which is about the only thing he does in that series that I would wholeheartedly encourage other people to emulate if given the chance yeah I can I can go along with that uh, and it it always struck me funny that uh, this this was Brian Fuller after doing Wonderfalls the the wonderfully twee and fun wonderfalls and the wonderfully twee pushing daisies and now let's go for the baroque horror of hannibal and he brought in the lead actress of dead like me to play a dark and twisted version of her character with a psychological ailment that convinced her that she was actually dead yeah yeah it's it's kind of it is one of the few shows where i would use the word baroque because it is amazing the the food styling in that show is it is another star of yeah. this series. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, making those those human um, souffles look appetizing, <laughs> I guess, is uh, not a the, the lady <laughs> fingers alone. Uh, um, <laughs> okay, so Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter off the board. Uh, Chris, what is your third pick? All right, I'm going to bring it back to the sort of the guy who made the first uh, screen adaptation of of Hannibal Lecter. I, I'm I'm going to pick James Sonny Crockett of uh, the Metro Dade uh, Police Department and Miami Vice. This is a bit of recency bias. Uh, he says about a show that aired from 1984 to 1989. Look, I've been watching it this year. I, I have been glorying in the fact that, uh, you know, in the later seasons of this, I would sort of sneak past my parents and, and uh, like try to watch this when they wouldn't let me. And uh, now I have the Blu-rays and, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. Um, this show is almost purely abstract. Uh, it, it, there's not a lot of, of serialization. The, uh, you know, the, the heavy emphasis on, on pop songs was novel at the time, but they play these out in this entirety which means in one of these 49 minute episodes there's there's a good 12 or 13 minutes of where it's just establishing shots we're just going to play out this whole song there's no narrative happening um you know so you're soaking in the the uh miami location photography the clothes this was a this was a big influential uh fashion item for a few years there in the the mid 80s and this this character don johnson's uh sunny crockett was the first uh anti-hero that I think I sort of started to, to recognize by, by that name as a kid, as a guy who sort of understood the futility of, of his job and, um, you know, was very irritable, um, not, uh, not super nice to his, uh, always seemed to be yelling, God damn it. Yeah. Crockett was the way he always answered the phone. He said, Crockett, you know, he was, he was never happy. And I was like, man, you know, you drive this, this cool car, you live on a boat, you have a pet alligator. Um, <laughs> Elvis, the pet, the pet alligator. Elvis, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I I believe at the end of the show he he quits um, and and rides off into the sunset. I do. I, I have not in my you know latter day middle age rewatch gotten to the late season storyline where he has amnesia and believes himself actually to be the drug dealer that he was you know was playing as his as his cover. Um, looking forward to the the kind of soap operatic uh, uh, turn that I vaguely remember that taking from the the late 80s but i i have found this this show very satisfying to to revisit from its moment almost everyone involved certainly michael mann uh, i think michael mann actually left the show to go make um manhunter uh the the first uh, hannibal lecter movie um you know the adaptation of the, the novel red dragon um but uh yeah for 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 anti-heroes for for cranky <laughs> 
anti-heroes who didn't wear socks, <laughs> who drove cool cars, and uh, had a dramatically different hairstyle from season to season. <laughs> James yeah. Sonny Crockett is my, is my pick. Miami Vice defined my hometown for everyone in America. <laughs> Nobody knew what Miami was, and now we know because Miami Vice exists. It's alligators for pets uh-huh. and drug dealers and... No sh- no socks. No one wears socks ever. <laughs> We're allergic to socks. It's Art Deco and day glow neon color. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I just boats. I just want to I, I just want to shout out the casting directors of this show. I mean, it is astonishing when you go back and, oh, and yeah. look like the actors who they got as guest stars on the on the way up for this almost every episode. Um, Sonny Crockett is off the board. So now, now, my God, I could pick Columbo, but I'm not going to pick Columbo. Uh, but you know, Jessica Fletcher is already out there. So William Link and Richard Levinson are, are already represented, but I'm going to pick another one of their shows, the 1975 Ellery Queen, which is basically murder. She wrote, I mean, it is a mystery writer finding himself surrounded by actors from the silver era, the silver age of film. Uh, and it's solving mysteries and it has, you know, it has Peter S. Fisher and Robert Van Skoik and several of the writers who came along to murder. She wrote with them, uh, but it's done. It's set in 1947, New York. It's set in the world of radio and they follow the, the style of the original radio version of Ellery Queen, where right before the denouement, he turns to the camera and says, do you know who did it? You've seen everything I've seen. You should be able to figure it out. We'll see. And that was that was literally the third act break in every episode. And I mean, that stood out to me as a child because that was cool. It was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to challenge you. Right. And it's it follows him is played by Jim Hutton, father of Timothy. And his father is played by David Wayne. And he's the commissioner of police of New York. So, you know, you've got a professional cop and you've got the amateur detective and it's just fun. And it really nails that classic golden age, 1940s style of mystery. Uh, it, but it was only on for one season in 1975 on NBC. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a delightful show. I got to catch up again with it on TV land in the nineties. And, uh, and then I, and I have the DVD set cause it's out on DVD. Um, it's just fun. Uh, okay. Now this is the crazy round. This is the round where there are no rules, right? <laughs> These are, you know, it can be something that maybe you're the only person who may have seen this show, right? Uh, one season shows, short lived shows, obscure shows, um, or Jim Rockford, He's still out there. That's crazy. So we come back to you, Katie. Who is your crazy pick? Oh, so my crazy pick isn't that crazy because it's in keeping with the theme. Okay. Except for the fact that she's not real. Um, I'm going to go with Velma from Scooby-Doo. Yes! Because how can we not pick Velma? Nice. She's been sitting there the whole time. Um, and she's the one who actually solves the cases. 
here's the thing. I wanted to fight you on like being allowed to pick the entire um, <laughs> Scooby-Doo mystery gang. But then I was like, we have to then define what the core mystery gang is. And I don't want Scrappy-Doo. Oh, God, and I feel no. like you have to take him if you're going to fight for the other five. So I'm going to say. Uh, Fair enough. I'm going to leave the rest for, the, for everyone else. But Velma. Um, she's the one who's going to clearly carry and do 99% of the work in this team. I just want to acknowledge that straight out. So she's a two-dimensional character, but three-dimensional in our hearts. Um, because without her, we would never solve a mystery here at Katie's Mystery Solving Hut. <laughs> she needs tighter glasses. That's about the only... Contacts. LASIK. Well, you know, or just well, bend straps. the ear thing. <laughs> straps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing would get done without Velma. No, they would be they would be dead several times over without Velma. <laughs> you think Daphne? Uh, no offense no. to Daphne, but you think Daphne is going to step up and solve a mystery? No. Daphne well, is interested in Fred. There is that. There, there's not a lot of brain power going on in that decision making process. If it weren't for Velma. Daphne and Fred would be the murdered couple at the beginning of every <laughs> right. teen slasher movie. Yep. They go off to alone together. Yep. Let's split up, guys. And next thing you know, it's just someone's head in a fridge. And then it's just Shaggy <laughs> and Scooby who are already high. So they're not going to solve anything. Tom, what is your crazy pick? I could go with the entire team from Psych, which was nice. thinking about. I could reunite Mrs. Potts and Lumiere and have Lenny Briscoe. <laughs> or Harry McGraw. <laughs> but we're going to go with Constable Odo from Deep Space Nine. Hey, he was on my list. Was he? Yeah. He's, gonna, he's going to he's gonna be a Jessica Fletcher's typewriter half the time. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the time in a bucket. And the rest of the time solving crimes. Space crimes. <laughs> Space crimes. I loved how weary and annoyed he was. He's he's just like, oh, crap, another mystery. Don't bother me with this. I have paperwork to do. And I loved that about him. He didn't want to be involved in any of this stuff. It None was boring it. and awful for him. And he did it because it was his job. The best episode, the best Odo episode is the one where they end up back in time and it's Odo under the Cardassian occupation. And he's like this fascist lackey anyway. And you're like, ooh, this is, a, this is a darkness to him that I didn't know was there. Yeah. He he was a shapeshifter on many levels. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's there's a pretty good Star Trek novel called I Constable that is basically uh Odo in a in a film noir mystery. And the the book cover has him in a trench coat and snap brim hat and it's uh it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun playing with those tropes. Is he wearing a trench coat and a snapprint hat, or is that just golden goop that has that's, become? That's a good question. Does he wear clothes? Or I just don't know. is he clothes? I don't know. So, all right, Constable Odo, that is a good crazy choice. <laughs> uh, Shelley, what is your crazy choice? So this is crazy only in the sense that it doesn't follow my established theme, which I shall share with you now. <laughs> the, the theme, and I have lots of bring out your deads on this one as well. The, the theme is basically a detective who, before he or she was on television as a detective, had a significantly a significant career ah. in classic film. Okay, so we have Raymond Burr, we have uh, William Conrad, and we have Rock Hudson. 
And as I say, I have I have a bunch more. Uh, <laughs> but because he doesn't quite fit the rules and because the suspense of who and when it's going to get picked is so great, I'm going to choose Columbo. <gasps> yes! <laughs> because Peter Falk did not, he, he was mostly a television actor and he made a few movies in the late 50s. So my show, Lions, Towers, and Shields, is approximately 1930 to 1960 for films. I go a little forward of that. But but Falk was mostly a TV actor and the, the most notable film I ever saw him in of that era was this thing called pocket full of miracles with betty davis is oh, as, god, oh yeah. god it was terrible <laughs> uh but uh but falk was, popped up in an awful lot of television in the early 60s before he was in colombo and i i say i am i am not one of the colombo stands out there i i admire the craft and sticking to a theme if i if i was going to choose something that was colombo adjacent i would probably just pick mrs colombo for the fun of it because i adore kate mulgrew <laughs> but oh, uh, colombo is my crazy round pick yeah, I, I love Columbo. I love a good plot. I love the ones, uh, you know, and I mean, Jason has talked about this for years. We've talked about it offline for years. Uh, we love when you set a format, mainly because then you can screw around with the format. And some of the best Columbos are the ones where instead of just, oh, we see the guy planning the murder. And then, you know, like there's there's one called Last Salute to the Commodore where Robert Vaughn, you know, you're, you're like, oh, well, Robert Vaughn is the killer because he's the suave, elegant guest star. And you see the beginning, you see the whole planning of the murder, and then whoop, Robert Vaughn gets killed. And now you have no idea who the killer is. And that, that five years into making Columbo's, people were like, what the hell was that? Um, so yeah, those, those are fun episodes. And, you know, even, even a lesser story it's just fun because peter falk so having picked columbo uh nathan what is your crazy choice okay um well you know when you're solving murders it helps to have some first-hand experience not necessarily in solving murders but possibly in being dead or in being able to talk directly to the victims and ask hey who killed you and that's why my banana's choice is pushing daisies uh with uh, ned the pie maker uh charlotte chuck charles and emerson cod this was um another brian fuller joint uh the diametric opposite of hannibal you can you can say it's twee you can say it's cutesy i i acknowledge all of that but this show is a horse needle of dopamine right to the pleasure center of my brain um just a sweet, funny, tremendously inventive and quietly macabre show about a uh, a guy who might as well be dead, his dead sort of girlfriend who is more alive than anyone else in the show, and a grouchy mm -hmm. private investigator who is greedy and uh, likes to knit his own uh, gun holsters in his spare time, <laughs> uh, going around asking dead people who killed them and yet still somehow having to solve weird and entertaining mysteries because it turns out dead people are super chatty and can never get to the point and and still amazing food styling oh yeah so so many delicious pies oh <laughs> don't watch that show hungry emerson and olive were on my list nice They're, that team that detective team i love them that's just a restaurant together, i want to go to together. emerson and olive <laughs> oh the so i call that show new french new wave because it's got all oh, the yeah. same kind of like stylistic sight gags and and like and weird macabreness under the surface. And one of my favorite bits they ever did was Emerson and Olive were solving a mystery without Ned and Chuck. And 
they're both wearing raincoats and they'd never comment on it. But on Emerson's raincoat is a bunch of cod, like just fish covering the raincoat. And on Olive's raincoat, there's just a bunch of olives. <laughs> and you're, I spent the, I remember spending the whole scene being like, where would you get such a raincoat? <laughs> I don't even know what the mystery is anymore. I'm just, I now I need the mystery of these raincoats. The answer is are- from the depths of Brian Fuller's brain. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to say, him. Pushing Daisies has maybe one of my all time favorite sight gags ever, where a clown car has plunged into a lake and and a clown is dead and just in the background of the scene there goes one gurney with a body and then another gurney with a body <laughs> and another gurney and it's just it's a clown car of gurneys it's hilarious but you have I to be w- paying attention i would have watched 1 million episodes of that show i would still be watching that show if they were making it uh absolutely <laughs> I'm going to go back and mention the you referred to Hannibal as Baroque and Pushing Daisies as Twee, but I feel like that it's Baroque in its own way. Like that is a that's a Baroque piece of Twee. (laughs) It is it is heavily influenced, if quietly influenced by the Avengers. Uh, Yes. Not unlike the X-Files. Also, a lot of shows share DNA with the Avengers. But that that cheerful surreality. Yeah. A world full of weird, eccentric experts who are all super into one thing to the point where they theme their whole lives around it. <laughs> all right. So pushing daisies. Uh, Chris, what is your crazy pick? You know, I have a bananas pick, but I don't feel good about it. Uh, <laughs> since I have to choose a detective. Um, which which uh, means you're totally in the incomparable zone. Okay, that's 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 good. Uh, that's good. Well, I, let's, let's go to a show that uh, did not... Uh, end before it it should have um i'm going to choose as as my bananas pick detective uh ron mcclarty as detective ralph ruskin and if uh neither of those names are are familiar to you and it sounds like i'm just reading them off a cast list that's because the names of the characters don't lodge in your mind the way the names of the songs do in Uh cop rock uh Uh, steven bosco's 11 episode uh probably the only film that uh, or the only television show that you can look up in um on wikipedia and uh under genre it says police procedural comma musical um (laughs) i saw the pilot for this when it aired in 1990 and i remember in its entire like not just the chorus but all the verses of a song called he's guilty now i don't know if this (laughs) was if this was composed by randy newman as the theme was i do see some other composers credited here so i have have no way of knowing whether newman uh whether or not he composed that that song that lodged in my brain for 30 years um I think I watched a second episode of this. Uh, I, I mean, someone did. Sure. Uh, yeah. 11, 11 episodes. Um, I mean, the, uh, some of the titles are, are uh, enjoyable. There's, there's one called The Three Corpse Meal. There's an episode called The Cocaine Mutiny. Um, <laughs> Cop of Filiac. Uh, oh. Yeah. So... Um, the cocaine mutiny sounds like something that happened in that show's writer's room. Uh, <laughs> I I just love the the thought of Stephen Bochco, you know, riding off of Hill Street Blues at LA Law and going, you know what? Yeah, what I can do anything, that? and I'm going to prove it to you. And I yeah. think they spent just a mountain of money to do it as well. Oh, it was. It was like, it was like yeah. the most expensive show on TV at the time. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the pilot is. On YouTube in its entirety, I 
don't know mm. how many other episodes are, but where uh, I, I like what what does Boshko do after this? Does it well? Well, NYPD Blue is still after this. And, yeah, and NYPD with, with some of the cast uh, from from Cop Rock. So so I guess he did fine. I guess he did fine. Yeah, no, he, he, there there was that. There was Hooperman. There was Murder One, which mm. could have been better, but wasn't terrible. Don't remember Murder One having any memorable songs. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you can't have everything. <laughs> so, oh man. So many things I could pick for a crazy pick. Um, but for my for my crazy round, for my crazy pick, uh, it's not that crazy. It's Philip Marlowe, played by Powers Booth for HBO oh, wow. and 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 I forget who in Britain it was a co-production. It's really good. Boy, does it capture that that classic 30s 40s film noir styling and and powers booth might be the best philip marlowe i've ever seen wow um, i can imagine, see it yeah, i have not yeah. seen that show but i yeah. can imagine him as a philip marlowe yeah same. they they adapted them they, they adapted several uh raymond chandler short stories that are not philip marlowe stories and just turned them into philip marlowe uh but it's it's fascinating is it a perfect adaptation no, it's it's good enough uh but he is just he tears up the screen as philip marlowe um i i wish there had been more of those i think there are only 12 but many of them are on youtube i know it's it's been on dvd uh it may not be impossible to find but it's going to be hard to find uh but that's that's my way of cheating and picking a whole bunch of things in the crazy round, which is crazy. Nicely done. And we still didn't pick Jim Rockford. Um, <laughs> so, so we should, we should come back around and do the, the quick bring out your dead round, which is just everyone who's left. We don't, we don't have to do any great talking about them. Just, you know, Hey, we, we acknowledge this existed and liked it. What the hell? So, uh, Katie, who, who, who do you have left? Oh my gosh. Um, so many people. Um, so my theme that I was going for was, uh, the James Bond movie we'll never get to see. Um, so <laughs> my, my okay, next yeah. cast member would have been Inspector Gadget, obviously oh, is wow. Q. Like, um, like gotta hit okay. that real hard. Okay. Um, I want to shout out to, uh, Joan Watson on elementary Lucy Liu's interpretation of John Watson. Yeah. I adore what she did with that character. Um, the whole show in general was awesome. And then Mulder and Scully, guys, we didn't, t- we didn't bring Mulder and Scully into this at all. Scully was until- on my list, not Mulder. Yeah. He's not a detective and he's barely an FBI agent, <laughs> but specifically Dana Scully. I like to think of it as Dana Scully detective with her sidekick, right. who is a fox named Mulder. <laughs> it's Scrappy, it's Scrappy Detective, yeah. comma, physician. Scrappy it's Mulder. like being police procedural, comma, musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and just for the, and just because it, I would, it would be a shame not to mention him, Virgil Tibbs from In the Heat of the Night sure. oh, was nice. also hanging out on my list. Nice. Okay. Uh, who do you have left? Tom. I didn't expect to have such riches at the top. So I, <laughs> my theme really went to hell. Um, a, a theme that I had in mind was, uh, we could all go all sci-fi detectives. So Detective Miller from The Expanse. Um, what's his face from Babylon Five, uh, Garibaldi, 
uh, Detective Inspector Tenth Doctor from Broadchurch. Uh, <laughs> and I did do that. Um, I wanted to go with everyone give it up for public broadcasting's favorite mystery solving Belgian, Hercule Poirot. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hercule. Yeah, who else was in my. Gloria Burgle, uh, Carrie Coon's character in Fargo, that, se- that season of Fargo. And very bad detectives who should feel bad would be any non Dexter member of Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Shelley, who do you have left? So back to my theme of people who had classic film careers who went on to be detectives. And we're going to start with a trio of Quinn Martin productions. Uh, Buddy Ebsen is Barnaby Jones. Who had a great uh, flute theme. Speaking yes. of counterpoint. <laughs> of themes. Oh, my wow. God. The counterpoint. Streets of San Francisco with Carl Malden. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, the Untouchables with Robert Stack. Uh, my non-Quinn Martin, uh, Adam 12 with Martin Milner, who barely squeaks in as somebody oh. who was in classic okay. films. We did Sweet Smell of Success not long ago. <laughs> uh, Dragnet with Jack Webb and Harry Morgan. Um, and uh, Jake and the Fat Man, Fat Man, back to William Conrad, uh, who was in that. <laughs> and then uh, last but not least, I'm going to count uh, Perry Mason, not only for Raymond Burr, but for William Tallman and William Hopper, who both were kicking around in the 50s. And you, they'd pop up in film noirs as cops or criminals and the like. So, uh, And yes, technically, uh, Jim Rockford from the Rockford Files would, have, would qualify, as would... Um, there was a 1959 Philip Marlowe that I've never seen with with Philip Carey, who had a married to Joan Crawford at one point, which was oh, probably what he was yeah. most famous for. Um, and then um, I guess I'll I guess I'll stand pat with that. I could talk about Richard Diamond with Mary Tyler Moore before she was married before she was Laura Petrie, you know. But um, where we never got it. we only got to see her legs. That's true, but I was still going to count her. She was in the oh, show. Absolutely, absolutely, and David Jansen. Hmm. It all comes back to William Conrad and Quinn Martin. <laughs> it does. Um, <laughs> Nathan, who do you have left? Well, I've got the uh, the Scooby-Doo gang, Mystery Incorporated, specifically from the show Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which is oh. the, uh, the first time Scooby-Doo, for me at least, has ever been actually compelling and an interesting mystery. It's uh, <laughs> an amazing show. If you haven't seen it, it takes everything you know about Scooby-Doo and then just adds this extra layer of depth to it, along with a lot of amazing cameos and, uh, and references and, um, and a grand unified theory of the Hanna-Barbera universe. Um, with Ooh. Harlan Ellison playing himself. Yes. And, okay, uh, and what the hell? Wow. wow. And Jeffrey Combs playing, uh, playing a HP Lovecraft analog and Michael J. Yeah. Anderson reprising his role from twin peaks and an off screen, uh, cameo by pinhead and the Cenobites. I mean, this show is bananas, you guys. And it, it really is. Wow. It, I, at some point, Scooby-Doo may or may not fight Cthulhu. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Um, I'm going to go with with uh, of course John Steed and Emma Peel. Uh, they solved a lot of mysteries uh, and they did so very stylishly. Uh, I will pick Matthew Reese's recent reincarnation of Perry Mason because I love a private detective who's a real POS and his drunken, <laughs> you know, disheveled mess of a human being is incredibly entertaining to watch as he goes from bad private investigator to bad lawyer. 
Um, Eliza Scarlet from uh, the PBS show uh, Miss Scarlet and the Duke uh, is very entertaining. It is about a, a tiny and very determined uh, lady who solves mysteries with uh, the help of a large, hulking, very Scottish and very handsome cop who looks like a Henry Cavill <laughs> made out of Chris Hemsworth's. Um, and finally, one last plug for the CW version of Nancy Drew with Kennedy McMahon in the title role. It combines the warmth and offbeat humor of the OC with the bonkers supernatural frights of the Conjuring movies, and it absolutely fearlessly goes for that premise in a way that makes it incredibly entertaining. It's It shouldn't work, but it does. All right. And Chris, who do you have left? Boy, I, I feel well and truly outclassed. I think I used all my chits on uh, on Cop Rock. Um, <laughs> I will, uh, you know, I'm going to return to uh, Agent Carter, the series, and shout out Shea Wiggum because I think he was uh, Perry Mason, the most recent, the Matthew Reeves Perry Mason. He was like his investigator, right? Wasn't he? Um, yep. Yeah, he was was doing some some dirty work, some some digging up witnesses, and uh, for Perry, um, he was pretty great. I did recuse myself from naming Steed and Mrs. Peel because I do have framed photographs of them in my in my <gasps> living room. Uh, yeah, that that bowler. Um, but uh, since I I was never tempted other than on Halloween to wear a a, a bowler, and and I have really <laughs> felt the the draw towards towards cowboy hats in in recent years, and we we have. Uh, established that federal federal law enforcers are are admissible. I will uh, I will name Raven Raylan Givens of uh, of Justified. Um, nice. Soon to soon to return. Uh, I always thought of the show as Walker Texas Ranger for smart people. Um, <laughs> you know, El- Elmore Leonard. I don't think was involved in it initially, but like he was, you know, thought it was a successful enough adaptation and expansion of his short story that he asked to come on as a as a writer later on. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's the the dialogue is great, the performances is great. Um, and wrote um, wrote a late novel called called Raylan, I think. Right. Yeah. That was taking this version of the character instead of the one that he had started. And uh, apparently, they they had a lot of he and Timothy Oliphant a lot of a lot of talk about the the hat, like whether whether it was something <laughs> that Raylan needed to to. Ha- I can't remember who who thought it was like you know give the hat a rest, and who thought no the the hat is essential, but. Uh, <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a hat that confers, confers power. And this is a, a guy who walks into a lot of a stupid situations, um, no matter how tough, like I, at least once per episode, I'm like, you would want to bring some backup with you for your, you know, and you're going to outquip the person who uh, you're, you're here to, to quip with. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think that's uh, I, I, like, I can still buy into the, the sort of power fantasy element of this because I, I just wish I was that erudite. Um, and, and, and quippy, um, and he wears the hat well, like I said, so, uh, deputy U S marshal Raylan Gibbons. That is a good call. Yeah. That's, oh, it's such a good show. Such a good show. Um, my bring out your dead round is surprisingly long. No, it's not surprising at all. Um, Spencer from Spencer for hire, uh, who I liked in the books before the show even was a thing. Yeah, the Mark Wahlberg Spencer remains on the on the board. I think. Oh, yeah, it's going to remain uh, there for a while <laughs> with new Magnum. Um, oh my God, that movie is painful. Um, yeah, of course, Jim Rockford, because Jim Rockford, you don't get Magnum without Jim Rockford. Uh, you probably don't get Simon and Simon without them. Um, there, there was a show that followed Murder She Wrote for a couple of years called Crazy Like a Fox. 
with Jack Warden and John Rubenstein as a father and son, it's basically the odd couple as detectives, but father and son. Um, I did have David Suchet as Poirot, uh, Scooby-Doo, Dark Winds, Lupin, which technically isn't a detective, but there is some mystery solving. Uh, and, and don't watch the dubbed version because it's a French show on Netflix. Watch it with subtitles because the dubbed version just sounds wrong. Nobody sounds like what they look like. It's weird. It's just weird, man. But do watch the 15 minutes of dubbing credits at the end of every Netflix oh, series yes. because, yes. you know, those, those people <laughs> deserve their, their recognition. There is, there is a show coming soon to PBS. I think it's still coming soon. Uh, that I, I was lucky enough to get a look at called the Magpie Murders. No, 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 it's not the, that's part of the plot. It's just Magpie Murders based on the book by Anthony Horowitz. Uh, it's a really good adaptation. I, I didn't quite get through the book. The adaptation is fantastic. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, this is kind of forgotten a little bit, but they did a, um, like in the 70s, they did the Lord Peter Whimsey novels with Ian Carmichael, and they're okay. They're very, uh, he's much more Bertie Wooster-y than he should be. But in the late 80s, they did, they did the, um, the Whimsey novels that also have Harriet Vane, and they had Edward Petherbridge. As, as Lord Peter Whimsey and Harriet Walter as Harriet Vane. And those are right. Those get the books. They're so good. Um, they're about intelligent people doing intelligent things and saying intelligent things. And, and none of them are Bertie Wooster. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And then, and then a pick that if John Hodgman is listening, he'll be very happy that I mentioned Foyle's War, which is set in World War II and after. And it is a very good mystery series. And, uh, and of course, Columbo. But Columbo got picked. Thank God. <laughs> so all that remains for me to do is to thank each of you for, for joining us. Katie Siegel, thank you for coming and being part of this. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And, and just, you know, go and listen to Where or When on the Incomparable Network because it's a fun show. Uh, mystery it's got romance and it's got time travel like what else do you need honestly <laughs> i mean that's like our wheelhouse and uh, <laughs> tom mcgrath thank you for coming back to the incomparable it's been a pleasure even though i was dead the whole time <laughs> oh my god it's a twist and shelly brisbane of course you you have the keys to the joint well, I have some keys. I have the keys to the black and white portion of the incomparable, apparently. <laughs> Thanks for, for having me and for tolerating the fact that the newest program I uh, recommended was from the very early 80s. So like on brand is how I live my life. I almost picked Martin Kane Private Eye from 1951. <laughs> just because. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and Nathan Alderman, welcome and thank you. I'd just like to thank you all for helping me establish an airtight alibi. <laughs> and Chris Klimek, thank you for coming. You 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 fit right into the incomparable. Oh, it's so much fun to uh, to do this with uh, with you all. Thank you. 
And uh, I've been your your not Jason Snell, David J. Lore, thanking you for listening. And we'll be back with something else next week. 